Today's episode of the Gaucho 9 podcast is brought to you by our friends at Kyle's Kitchen. Kyle's Kitchen, great sponsors of UCSB Athletics and UCSB Baseball. We hype the crispy chicken sandwich all spring. It is still there at Kyle's Kitchen. Head in there, check it out with their locations in Santa Barbara and Goleta. And please give back to check out their website, kyleskitchen.com slash giving back to make a donation today. All right. This is the welcome back pod for fall of 2021. The Gauchos returned to practice last Wednesday, and we are full bore for the next eight weeks. We got scrimmages, we got new players, we've got a pseudo new coach, and he is our guest today. We welcome back Donegal Fergus, uh, associate head coach for the Gauchos, who was working with the Twins for the last year and a half. But he is back in a gaucho uniform, and he is our guest today. We sit down and talk about family and vibing at the field, coaching lineage, and uh, and some exciting stuff about the gauchos moving forward for this fall. Uh, we got a lot of stuff planned. It's going to be a great fall. We're excited to be back. And, uh, yeah, with uh, nothing else left to say, let's get to Donegal Fergus, our first guest here this fall in the Gaucho 9 podcast. It's one of the most beautiful views of any campus in America. The Pacific Ocean crashing against the shores of UC Santa Barbara every morning, noon, and night. There's the one strike pitching. Mitchell belts us to deep left. Cabrera is going to watch it fly. He's at the track. He's at the wall. He leaps at the wall, and this one is out of here. Christian Kirtley. Gauchos are going to Omaha. Can you believe it? John Newman wins it for the Gauchos. In the score is two. Here comes Mitchell. He's going to score. And the Gauchos are the 2019 champions of the Midwest. Okay. We've got uh, a great for the fall of 2021, the Gauchos are back. We started practice last Wednesday. Well, not team practice, but individual stuff. The guys are here. Everybody's excited. Um, it was a much shorter summer than last summer, which seemed to last forever. And then this summer, it seemed to go by with like the snap of a finger. So we do have some news to announce that Ferg is back, and he is our guest today. Donegal McDougal Fergus, who hails from Powers, Oregon, starting his well second full second full season with the Gauchos. He was here in 2019, helped lead the Gauchos to a Big West championship. Then he took a job with the Minnesota Twins as a minor league hitting coordinator, and now he's back in a Gaucho uniform. Prior to the Gauchos in 19, he was at the University of Washington, helped the Huskies go to a College World Series, and. That's about all I know about Donegal Fergus at this moment. So we're going to dig in a little bit. Uh, but first of all, thanks for coming on. You just got back from a recruiting trip. There's uh, some extra fireworks involved. Uh, you bought a car in Arizona. So not your run-of-the-bill uh, recruiting trip, but uh, how's the weekend and how's it feel to be back? Oh, it's great. And uh, I appreciate you having me on, Kevin. This uh, I've been listening to the podcast since you started it. Um, you know, uh, I never really left. Uh, I stayed right, right. here. Um, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I have been following along uh, as best I can and, and, and the podcast being a part of that. So 
I'm honored to be on and uh, it's, it's certainly fun to be back. I, I this is a special place and, uh, and it's a special group of people that I get to work with. So uh, for me, it was easy decision to come back and do round two. And it's not often you get a chance to redo something that uh, was so good the first time and, uh, you know, get a, get a chance to, to run it back again. So um, I'm really thankful for Jax to, to have me back. I'm thankful for you to have me on tonight. And yeah, I just got back from a recruiting trip, which is uh, always wild and woolly, especially in Arizona. And uh, hot, uh, had a massive rainstorm and a flash flood, uh, bought a car, canceled a flight, drove a car in the middle of the night through the <laughs> desert. Uh, yeah, it's just, you know, just what you do, right? It's just what you do. Yeah. It's, it's whatever, that, whatever challenge you, you, you face next, you just hit it head on and, and deal yeah. with it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go into, so you're from Powers, Oregon. And I know you're at Washington before you were at Gaucho. So just can you go through your, your coaching tree, where you've been and how you got started? Sure. Um, so I got started. Uh, I, was a, I was a really marginal player uh, and often hurt player. Mm. Um, so spent a lot of time watching and realizing, oh, I, you know, I, I got to think about the game too, not just play it. And um, I started just think, you know, looking at the game a little bit differently because you're forced to, you know, sit on the sidelines for a bunch of it. And um, when I got done with school, uh, my uncle, who was so my mom's baby brother, was is a legendary uh, junior college coach up in Washington. Um, and I was going to go to grad school. Uh, I thought that was my my plan. I thought I had it all laid out. I'm going to go to grad school and do international affairs or something and and maybe go into government service, FBI, CIA, or something like that. And, um, <laughs> my dad um, said, I don't know that you want to do that. I just don't know that you're going to like that. I don't think that's for you. And oh, by the way, I have a huge FBI file. Um, and so you might have a problem with the background checks. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so uh, I just started to think about, okay, what do I really want to do with my life? And, and you know, like a lot of people who are get hurt when they're playing and, and sort of don't get to end on their own terms. I wasn't really feeling like I was done with baseball. And, um, I enjoyed, you know, I enjoyed helping my um, teammates, you know, when I was trying to rehab and get back and, you know, I enjoyed that part of it. And, and, and so uh, my uncle said, Hey, well, why don't you, you know, if you're dumb enough to want to maybe coach, why don't you, why don't you come up here and do it with me? And it was a, it was an opportunity to kind of, uh, you know, soft entry into the whole thing. And, and, uh, and he was, you know, like I said, a legendary coach. And, um, and I thought, okay, well, let me, let me do this for a little bit and see, see what it is. You know, I think like a lot of people, when you, when you get done with, with college and school, you, you sort of like, well, now what do I do? Do I really just, do I just dive into this thing with my career and, and adulthood, or do I want to, you know, find myself a little bit? And so for me, that that's, I think fell into that category, which is, I didn't go backpacking in Europe. I went, I went coaching baseball. Um, and my grandmother, uh, was living alone, going through cancer treatment at the time. And so everybody's like, Oh, you just live with grandma and help, help out and save some money and all that kind of stuff. And so just sort of the pieces added up, um, to me, uh, and the family to go, Hey, why don't you give this a try to see what, see what's up. So I did. Um, and I was hooked. Like it was over almost instantly. I, I just, you could 
you could feel it. It was like, this is this what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, so I coached there for a few years, five years. Um, we won a, a title my last year there um, and got an opportunity to go be a head coach uh, at, at way too young of an age. But um, somebody was dumb enough to give me my own team. And, and uh, so I went up to Tacoma Community College, moved up north a few hours just south of Seattle there and, um, and did that for five years. Um, and then got asked to come and join a new program at Seattle University um, with a friend of mine, Donnie Harrell, who's still the head coach there. Um, and I had, we'd grown up in the same area. Um, he's a little bit older than me, but, um, and if you're, if Donnie, for some reason hears this, he's quite a bit older than me. Um, and, and just had stayed friends and, 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 you know, uh, and followed his success. And he was starting the program. They were, I think in year, uh, two or three at that point, uh, I think year two. And so got asked to come and join that. And, you know, wanted to jump into the division one world and, and keep climbing a little bit. So, uh, took that, uh, was there for two years. Um, and then got asked to come back. My uncle was retiring, um, sort of got talked into, um, taking over for him back at the original uh, place that I'd started at lower Columbia college, which is, you know, it's really the best junior college set up in the Northwest and, um, just an incredible place to, to coach. And, um, it's my wife's hometown. Um, and so, uh, you know, it just made a lot of sense and, and seemed like the right thing. Kids were little and, and, uh, and all of that. And, and so went back for one year, in fact, 11 months was how long we lasted. And, um, got a call from university of Washington head coach to, uh, to talk to him about their open hitting coach position. And, um, so ended up just kind of spinning around and going back up North pretty quickly and, and, uh, and spent five, five years at university of Washington, uh, coached with some incredible people. Uh, and in 2018, uh, we went to the college world series, uh, beat, uh, Cal state Fullerton, uh, in the super regional at their place, uh, and, and got an opportunity to go to do that. And, after that, I uh, was ready for uh, just a better fit for me and, and, and uh, kind of a fresh, uh, a fresh relationship with, with my boss. And uh, Chex uh, was, was needing, uh, I think, sort of the same thing. And so ended up coming down here and brought the family down here in the, in the summer of 2018 and uh, just, you know, fell in love immediately with the place and, uh, and, and have, I've loved living here ever since. And, and, uh, and as you mentioned at the beginning, uh, took a little bit of a detour with the twins for uh, a year and a half or almost two years there. Um, just happy to be back with, with Chex and the boys and, and, and get a chance to do this round too. So I guess the, the one thing that stands out to me and the one thing that I think is, has hit me a lot in my tenure as, as a gaucho, even though I'm not a coach, but it's, at least in the baseball world, it, it so much revolves around the connections that you make, the people that you know, and the family that you're either in while you're playing or wherever you're, you're, where you're going or you're coaching, or if you have it within your, your paternal family. But just those tight-knit relationships that you get and build when you get into baseball and when you stay in baseball lead you to these great places. And I think it's just, it's so cool how like your start was, it was a family thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's an opportunity to, to try something new and it's, it's, it's based on family and like family has a lot of different terms, 
uh, at least in the baseball world, like we have our baseball family, we have our, our family at home, our extended family, all that stuff. But like, it's such a, a big, important part of being a part of a team. And so I just think it's really cool how it's like really the root of your coaching origins is family. That's great. Yeah. And, and you I- have, and you have your family here with you, uh, like Kim and the kids and checks and the kids and the people in the neighborhood and then, and then the team. And it's like, that's what your world revolves around. Yeah. And I, I think that, I think family is what you want it to be like family or the, it's the people that are close to you and the people that you depend on and who depend on you. And, um, that's the root of what I think makes really good college baseball teams. Great is it's not always, I think family sometimes gets a, a you know, maybe a, a little bit of a, uh, a connotation that it's, if you talk about family, that it's, you know, you're not, you lose sight of the discipline part or, or the fact that it's, it's, it might be messy and it might not always be, um, you know, sunshine and rainbows. I think that's, if anybody, <laughs> I think most people yes. would say about their real family, you know, their, their blood families. Yeah. It's not always great. I, I don't always, uh, we're not always hugging and kissing and, and, and laughing and, um, and it, on great terms. Like I think everybody's got family, uh, stuff that, that goes on and, and a baseball family is no different. And, uh, it's one of the stark differences between college baseball, and professional baseball for me. And, um, and, and, you know, clearly at the root of what I love about this job is, is that part of it is you, you do develop a relationship on a deeper level with, with the players and the coaches and, um, and checks and I talk about this a lot and, and he is, he is an amazing leader in so many ways, but in, in that specific concept of keeping that at the forefront of all of the stuff we do, he works incredibly hard. We all do. Um, and we are pushing, 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 and we push our players, we push ourselves, but he also wants to be a great dad and, um, and wants to be around and be present. And, and this place gives us that. And that's such a special thing as we do. I mean, and, and people that, that know us know that we, we live, you know, 10 houses apart, basically. Uh, we live on the same, basically on the same street, just a couple of cul-de-sacs away. Our kids run around all the time with each other. And that goes for the whole neighborhood of kids and, and, mm-hmm. and people. And, um, we just went to Yosemite just the other week with a bunch of families from, from Stork Ranch here. And, um, and Jets and Ferguses and Pharaohs and Sparrows. And, um, and I, you know, it's just hard to find in, in the world. And it's hard to find our jobs are weird. I mean, co- coaching baseball and especially colleges, it's not a normal thing and it's not a normal timeline. It's not a normal schedule by any means. And families have to sacrifice a lot. And the fact that we get to do this together, uh, is really cool and really attractive. And, um, and it, and it makes, you know, it makes, doesn't make up for the time that we're not here or the time that we miss things, but it makes it special in its, in its own way. And, and I think that, like I said, you know, people have problems with their own family. They have, we have problems within our family sometimes too. We fight, we, um, you know, and players don't always toe the line or, or they get sideways or we've got to challenge them and all of those sort of things, but that's part of it. That's, that's what we're, we're doing it together. And I think that's the family component of it that you're talking about. Yeah. It's, it's the biggest thing that keeps me coming back every year. It's the, the camaraderie, it's the growth, it's the, the challenges that we face every day. And it's, it's raising, 
raising young men or fostering young men or teaching them and, and doing everything that, that you have to do to make them good human beings, make them good students and make them good baseball players. And I think at least for the most part for the last 11 years, I think we've done a pretty good job about that uh, here at UC Santa Barbara, uh, no matter who has been in the dugout and you are entering a, well, it's your third fall because you were here in fall of 20 before you took the twins job. So you're familiar with the guys that are here. You're obviously getting acclimated and learning about the, the new guys that are here. And it's just been such a weird couple of years where we have players that the coaching staff haven't seen in person before, which is amazing. Uh, the Twitter quote, Twitter recruits uh, is what I've heard where you see them on video and, and and you like what you see, and and it works out that they that they can make it on campus. Uh, I'm not exactly sure where I'm going with this one, but I want I want to round out and at least mention that yes, you're with the Twins, minor league hitting coordinator. You also uh, coached the Irish national team. Yeah. So can you speak briefly on the Irish national team? I know you were in uh, Bulgaria a couple years ago uh, yeah. coaching them. Let's speak on that before before we get to the gauchos because I think that's that's really cool. Um, I know we've had we had a couple gauchos play. Uh, I remember it was Justin Kelly who had a a relative from Mexico and he played for Team Mexico in uh, Olympic qualifiers and he got to play in Tokyo. So you kind of have a similar experience where because of your lineage you got to coach the Irish national team. Yeah, we we did make it to Tokyo. Um, <laughs> We're a little bit behind Mexico in terms of our, our baseball infrastructure. Um, yeah, it was a really cool experience. Uh, it's been a couple of years. Um, I didn't get to go this summer. There was um, travel and, and, and vaccination and, and visa restrictions uh, for, for a lot of us uh, to get over there this summer. They, they skipped last summer, like, you know, the world was on fire. And, and so basically everything got canceled uh, in 2020. Um, and so this, this go round, I, I did not go that sort of uh, Sean Mitchell, who was the, the previous head coach and uh, has still uh, maintained a, a pretty significant role with the board and, and just being around and was really the driving force behind all of it. He, he got the field built uh, there in Dublin. Um, he, he took the reins this year and uh, took the team uh, to uh, they were in Slovenia this year. So um, it's been a minute since I was with them. Uh, it, it sort of was born out of an accident. I, you know, obviously my name is Donegal McDougal Fergus. So um, <laughs> there were some people that, that said, Hey, uh, do you have a connection. Uh, would you be interested in chatting with us about, you know, we're trying to get this thing going. And uh, the, the general manager of baseball Ireland uh, previously uh, he's moved on Um Chris Santamond had a, he and I had a mutual friend, um, uh, Liam Carroll, who was the head coach of the great Britain national team. Um, and he introduced us. So Liam introduced us and said, Hey, Chris, you know, you should talk to this guy. He, he coaches baseball. Uh, he's, he's, uh, he's probably, you know, got some good ideas and I think just be a good, a good person for you to know and talking about finding players or just talking about coaching and, and developing things. It's, uh, uh, you know, probably worth a conversation for you. So we got to talking and for the first year, it was just me kind of, you know, lending an ear and some advice and, um, you know, doing what I could to help them 
structure the whole thing. They, they had had a, a, an 18U team and they had done some national team stuff, but really kind of loosely structured, uh, didn't really have an infrastructure in place to get players and, and building coaches. And, and uh, they wanted to, to start a youth program and they had a lot of ideas. It was great. They just, they needed some, some, some guidance. And, and I was one person that they were talking to. Uh, anyway, Chris at some point said, Hey, you probably can't do it, but would you be interested in coaching with us? And I said, wow, I mean, yeah, I think I would actually, I think, you know, one of those bucket list sort of things, you know, and uh, I was at the university of Washington at the time. And so I just said, I got to do it. It was one of those things I just, I did nod at me and I thought I got, I want to be a part of this. And so um, Sean Mitchell, who I mentioned before said, Hey, I'd love to have you um, come and help me. And, and, I'll kind of step back and, and, and be the, you know, the kind of the, the general manager, manager, and, and why don't you come over and you coach this thing? And, um, and it was great. It was just magical. And with the first year we hosted the European championships, the, the pool C uh, in Dublin, um, they had built a field. It was great. And it was, we won, we won the tournament. We hosted and won the tournament. We were figuring out so many things, sort of on the fly, like putting a team together, training, uh, building a field, running a field, running a tournament. Um, and we ended up winning the thing uh, in sort of magical fashion. It was really just, you know, an amazing experience. The next year we ended up going to Bulgaria. So European championships, the, the way you move up is from C pool to B pool to A pool. And A pool is the group of teams that compete to go to the Olympics. So you got to kind of climb the ladder. And it was the first time we got out of out of sea pool. And, and, uh, so then we go to Bulgaria the next year and you, you have to, you have to finish in the top, I think four to keep your B pool status. Otherwise you get booted back down to sea. And, um, we did that. We managed, we, we lost to Russia and Israel that year, um, in Bulgaria, um, who were loaded with pros and big leaguers. And, uh, it was a wild experience. European baseball is nuts. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it blows your mind some of the stuff that, that you get to deal with. I got ejected one game and, and stood in a Bulgarian creek, peering through a, a rusted out chain link fence to try and uh, help help get us home. Um, it was it was wild, but it's it's one of those things that I think if you get an opportunity, I think most people say uh, to represent uh, either your, your your home country or a country that you have a connection to, you know, uh, is is a special thing and. Uh, was lucky enough to do that and I, I'm not sure what the future holds with that it's it's a difficult task to take two weeks uh, and go every summer so not sure um, what we're going to do moving forward but um, they had a respectable showing um, this summer and we're going to try and regroup and keep building this thing forward and see uh, how the pandemic leads us into 2022 and we'll take it from there but I, I whatever my role will be I'll still be involved in trying to help uh, continue to grow the game over there yeah that's great it's like a it's like a once in a lifetime type opportunity. Like can't pass that up. Can't. Absolutely not. Well, so you have a a, a storied coaching past, and I know Coach Chagets has a storied coaching past, and we've covered it in interviews with him uh, on the podcast before, and in pregame interviews, postgame stuff. But like your, you know, when you arrived at UCSB, I mean, I noticed a change like immediately just because of your your coaching style it was a little different than than what I was used to and and the energy that you bring and the philosophy that you have and 
I'm just I'm curious like where you've kind of gathered things. I'm I'm sure you've picked things from from here and there and and you utilize your personality uh as as part of it, but it's a very positive, energetic and like forward thinking and progressive style is what I get from the outside looking in. Like we haven't really worked hands on together apart from reconstructing the cage. Yeah. You know, like putting a TV in trying to center it on the on the chain link fence and and going to Home Depot and finding prefabricated hooks on on wooden planks that we can hand bang hang bang bands from, you know, and reorganizing couches and stuff like that. Like that's where we've worked hands on. And I I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I get the sense that the players are receptive like I am with your style of coaching because it's you know, you put their hand on their back and you tell them that they're good and you try and make them better. Like it's kind of a, I'm, I'm, tr- I'm struggling to, to, to fit words together to describe it, but it's just, there's a good vibe. Well, I appreciate you that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, yeah. The vibe I think is a good word because that's, that's, I think what you get with me is it's a vibe and, and some people don't like it. <laughs> I think there's a lot of coaches out there who don't like the vibe that I, I, I give off and that's okay. I, I, I think I realized, uh, you know, a few years into my coaching career that I, I was not going to be able to do it by adhering to the, you know, sort of the cookie cutter approach of this is what you're supposed to do as a baseball coach. Um, it just it wasn't me. And, and I wasn't going to be the best version of that if I, if I stuck too closely to the script and, um, and I, you know, I, I don't always, um, I don't always stay on the script now. Um, but I think I've learned to balance those two things. I think, I think there is inherently value in, in doing things that have proven themselves to be successful. Um, I think there are techniques and methods and, um, and, you know, lots of coaching, um, tools that, that, have stuck around for a reason and, and using those and, and, and not trying to uh, reinvent those is smart. But I think also combining that with, okay, this is who I am and I'm just, I'm going to give it to you and it's going to connect with you because it's genuine. That's my hope. Um, it doesn't always work. And it's, it's more art than science. Sometimes um, it doesn't work for every player, but it, you know, it, that's goes for anything. I could be, Nick Saban or try and be like Nick Saban and that wouldn't work for everybody either. It would also just be ridiculous because people would be like, what, what are you doing? This doesn't clearly isn't really you. Um, and I, you know, I want to be me and I want players to be themselves. I think that's what it's born out of more than anything. And I, I know that people, you know, sometimes look at me and go, you know, what, what is your shtick or, or you're just trying to call attention to yourself or, or you're, you know, you're just doing a thing or a bit, but it's not, this is and people that know me go, Oh yeah, this is, he's just himself. And, and I think the players respond to that more than anything. It's not the fact that I do it a certain way. It's just that they know that it's really me. And cause, and we talk about that all the time with them. I want them to be themselves. I want to be the best version of themselves. And I think that's what really good coaches want and coaches get there in different ways, but the really good ones want the players to be the best versions of themselves. And that's what we talk about every day is what we strive for. Um, I want my players to know that I'm there for them and not about me. 
Uh, and I think, I think the players would tell you that, that it's, yeah, I, I've gotten a, some notoriety here and there along the way. And, um, and that's fine, but they know that that's not the root of anything I do. It's for them. And we're going to do this together. And, you know, hitting especially is so difficult and fraught with failure and anxiety and, and lack of control that uh, I've, I've just grown to understand that the most powerful thing I can do for them is to let them know that there's someone who's going to keep going with them. I think as, as human beings, hitters are, are always sort of teetering on that edge of, man, if this goes bad and I'm already worried that it might, if it goes bad, are, is everybody just going to bail on me? And that's the scariest thing, right? Is, is I think most players are far less worried about getting yelled at or being in trouble than just being abandoned, right? I mean, that's the worst thing in the world is to know that or feel like, well, they've given up on me, right? And I, I'm cognizant of that. And and even if it doesn't, even if it isn't real, it can feel like that to players sometimes. Is you get in the doghouse or you you, you get on the outs and man, am I ever going to get back in there? Or are they going to stop coaching me because? you know, I had a bad weekend or, or I'm scuffling or I'm not reaching my potential yet. And I, you know, I think that's the, the root of all of it is, is I want my players to know that, Hey man, I got you and I'm going to be there with you. And it may not work, but we're going to, we're going to do this together and we're going to fight um, as long as you're here and, and I'm here, we're going to fight to try and get you better and get you something to go to battle with. And that's where positivity and, 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 and all of that comes in is, you know, I, I want them to know that, that, that we're going to keep going. And I think good coaches, again, talk about persistence and perseverance and, and grit and all that kind of stuff. That's all that is. It's just like, Hey, I'm going to keep going. So come with me, you know, and we're going to do this together. So for those that don't know Donegal, you're spearheading the offense. You're the brain trust behind the, <laughs> the hitting philosophy of the team and, and what you're going to see uh, the gouches do offensively. I don't, I don't think I prefaced that at the beginning, so I just wanted to make sure that, that that's in there. Uh, yeah. and, and one of the themes that we stick with uh, on the podcast that we try and mirror uh, for the program and, and what checks wants and an identity of this, of this program for UCSB is development. It's development. Like you're getting, yes, you're getting top-notch athletes that come here to be a gaucho, but they're not polished. And we want to try and make them the best baseball players that they can be. And, you said it uh, exactly. You hit it right on the head. I think, which is what I was going to say at the end of this. Right now, was you're, you're, we're trying to make these kids the best baseball players that they can be, and that's not trying to tailor them into something that we want them to be. It's observing their strengths and their weaknesses and making them the best version of themselves. And I think we have had a lot of success with that over the past few years. I think analytics has driven that a lot. And another theme of that is, uh, is balance because I think that there is value in analytics and we've seen that. And there's also value in going with your gut and going with, you know, what you see and going with just genuine feel. And I think that's kind of what we get with checks and Ferg. There's that, that balance of, we're half of it, you know, we're playing by the scripts here, but we're also 
going off the rails and trying something new over here. And it's a, it's a good balance. And I see it every day and it keeps me on my toes. And I think it keeps the players on the toes and it keeps the coaches on their toes. Cause it's, and same goes with family. Like you don't know what you're going to get day in and day out. There's going to be a balance of, of traditional and there's going to be a balance of, or, and then the other part's going to be non-traditional. And I think that's what makes this at least so far, the, the gaucho version of, uh, the baseball version of the gauchos with Ferg and with checks and with Dylan and Spencer, it's just this balance of traditional and non-traditional. And I love that. I think, and I think a lot of the players and myself were excited to see what this year holds with that dichotomy. Yeah. I, I think the balance part is, is dead on. And I think that balance comes in a lot of different ways. As you mentioned, it's the balance between analytics and information and data and, and however many of those things you want to throw into the new school bucket uh, and then feel and experience and, um, and the personal touch, you know, on the other side of that. And, um, but also in personality style, I mean, uh, checks and I are pretty different personality styles, but it's yes. great because, um, because there is balance and, and, you know, I, if you just let me go and there was, there was no governor on it, I would, I would probably take too many chances and we might, you know, we might, uh, risk a little too much. And, and, and I think checks is great for bringing me sort of back or, or, you know, helping, helping temper that a little bit. And, and I like to think that I, you know, I give him a little bit of that taste of the risk and, and we're going to go for it. And, and, um, we talk about that all the time and, in in why I think our dynamic really works so well. Why that's why I love working for him is, is, uh, is we do, we can feel the balance in, in, in each other. And, and I think our players respond to the fact that again, now everybody has their, has, has the ability to just be themselves in that because he doesn't have to, to fake a, a side of, of, of himself that isn't genuine. And, and um, I can be me and, and I don't have to fake being this, you know, um, intense disciplinarian or something just to make sure that, you know, I keep them on, on their toes. We, we all can do our thing and Dylan and, and Spencer and, and, and our whole crew can just be themselves um, because we do have that balance and personality and experience and style and technique and, and, and all of those sorts of things. And it's just fun to see that. And it's fun to be a part of that. And the vibe going back to that is, is really good. And, and, uh, and we do, we, I think we, we do a, a really good job and uh, of blending you know, our experience in coaching and playing and just being around and, and understanding people, but also in trying to uncover every new edge that we can find in, in analytics and in technology uh, in coaching methods. We're always searching. And that's something that, I, that we're really proud of and, and being known for development, true development. I think a lot of people talk about development. And I think most every college program sells that on the recruiting trail. But honestly, the, the, the real story is that most don't. Um, most people are scared to to really try things, and most people are are hesitant to go too far out on a limb or try new things, or just give players something that might not work. And we talk a lot about, hey, we don't have all the answers. We're going to figure them out together, and it's okay to be wrong. And I think our players respond to that um, because they know that they don't have to be as afraid to fail as long as they're going for it and they're they're working their tails off to try and. Um, get themselves prepared to go out and and, uh, and execute. Well, yeah, I think it's the 
the openness or the the ability for the players to to try and coach themselves while you are coaching them where it's they're making discoveries on their own it's not just hey you're going to do this and this is how it's going to be done it kind of it goes both ways where they are more responsive and receptive to all right i'm going to see how this see if this works and it's okay if it doesn't and you just find a different yeah. way and i think yeah. when one of those things we were talking about getting a video set up and in the cage and and what the function is going to be for recording batting practice and sessions in the tunnels and putting stuff up on the TV and using iPads and storing stuff. And you had a comment about, look, if we have swings from like two days ago, like we've already moved on. (laughs) We have already moved on from that day and we're on to the next thing. And yes, there's, there's value in looking back and there's value in, in looking at game footage and, and all that stuff, but it's, moving on to the next thing. I think that's that's one of the themes where it was, all right, yeah, we failed a couple of days ago, but we're already we're already past that. We're already on to the next thing. And it's rubbed off on me as far as the the field stuff and and the facility. Like it's I'm already trying to think about the next thing that, that can get better. And it's just that's the vibe is all right, how can we make it better? And that's Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Like, let's keep trying try stuff. Let's keep pushing. Let's see and what we happens. Were, and, and we were we were brainstorming about the the TV and the cage, and you offered me an idea, and I like shot it down right away. Like, no, that's not gonna work. But you you said to me, you're like, well, we thought about it, and we decided that yeah, it, that probably well maybe in this instant it might, but it probably is not realistic. So we can check that off, and we can move on. Yeah, and that's just a different way of approaching it than what I was used to. I was kind of taken aback in that moment because I was like, "Huh, yeah," like I gave it no chance, not even a slight chance, but you <laughs> gave it a little bit of a chance and assigned a value to it, where it's like, "Yeah, okay, it might work, but probably won't." So let's we can check that off and not worry about it anymore. So like, it does have some value. So I don't know yeah. that this that kind of struck me screwing something up sometimes is the best thing you can do. Yeah. Because cause now, you know, like, well, I don't have to try that again. <laughs> you know, I can check that one off and we can, we can clear it from the list of things to do. Uh, I love that concept. And I think sometimes it's hard for people to do players and coaches alike. I think human beings ultimately sometimes get scared by that process of, of, I don't want to throw an idea out there because someone might say, that won't, that won't work. Yeah. Of course, there's here's seven reasons right away why that won't work. People are nervous to put that out there because they don't want to look stupid or feel silly or or have the person who they suggested it to think, well, now that, you know, well, that person's an idiot. Well, what a dumb idea. And what it really is, and we shouldn't think that way, because what it really is, is what we just talked about. Well, let's examine it and let's 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 have a conversation. It might be really fast. And it was because you had a very clear idea and. And it made total sense to me. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. He's he's dead on. Cool. We, now I can eliminate it. And I don't have to feel bad about it because you weren't attacking me. You weren't attacking my idea. You were just like, well, no, it's not going to work. Cool. Let's move on now. It's it's a really powerful tool if you if you're open to it of of collaboration and and sounding board. It's what brainstorming really is, right? Let's throw an idea out there, and you tell me why it's stupid, or you tell me why it won't work. Cool. Or maybe it will, or maybe 
there's a small tweak to it, most likely. That's what you're trying to get to, which is I throw an idea out. You go, well, that won't work because X, Y, and Z. But then Erdy on the other side says, well, what if to alleviate the problems you just pointed out, we did it slightly different and, and we added these components. And now we go, oh, oh, do we have something here? Oh, well, let's talk about that. That's the, the magic of it. That's the cool part of it is let's get somewhere else with it. You know, it's, it's easy to shoot down ideas. It's easy to just say, well, I don't know. Let's just do what we've always done because it's easier and we can just move on with our lives. But if we're really interested in getting better and finding every, every avenue we can to, to take it to the next level. And we're talking about a silly thing. Your, your, your story, you know, centers around hanging a TV and some hooks mm-hmm. and it seems <laughs> trivial. It does. And it, and it sort of is, but it's also an important function because we use it every day, right? Every day. Those two things that we talked about, the TV up on the, uh, on the wall and the hooks for the bands are something we're going to use every single day it should be good. It should be useful. It should be functional. It should look good too. It makes us feel better, right? If it looks good up there on the wall and it, and it functions correctly. So as, as silly as it might seem to, to think about, well, Hey, I don't know, Kevin, do whatever you want, put it wherever you want. Cause it's not something I want to expend energy on. It actually is a valuable exercise and it will make our daily lives better, which allows us then to, to spend our brain power on the things that, that, that need some more discussion. And I, I love that process of it. And, and, uh, and I wish more people were, were, were okay with it. And, and we're going to try and be open about all that kind of stuff. And, um, and, and Chex is great about that too. Like just to say, well, let's talk about it. And I know that we think we already have the answer. I know, I know we all think this is probably what we're going to do, but let's just take a second and make sure. And let's just take a second and have a quick conversation about it. And if somebody can poke a hole in it, then boom, now we've got something and maybe it leads to, to, to an innovation or maybe just a small adjustment that actually does make a difference in our lives. Well, I tell you, we can, we can dig in and go on and on with this. <laughs> we really can. Uh, yeah. not, it's not cons- obsessive compulsive at all. Not at all. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but, so let's, let's go to the gauchos. So what, what kind of challenges are facing the gauchos this upcoming year? What are we excited about? Who are we excited about? I know we've, you've only seen the guys, for what was it two days before you went on your on on the, the recruiting trip? Yes, we are practicing and the coaches are recruiting at the same time. Welcome to college baseball. Uh, but so you got to see the guys for a couple of days. Uh, the the returners who were here last year, some guys who were there uh, in fall twenty twenty and nineteen. There are some guys who are back from when you coached in in nineteen and fall of twenty, or was that fall of nineteen? That was fall of nineteen. Yes. Fall of 19. Yeah, fall so, of 19. So what are some first impressions that, that you've got based on the first couple of days and the first uh, week in general, just based on what the other guys have thought? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we're super excited about the group and it, I do know, I think I, I know at least certainly the position players, I know a pretty healthy chunk of them. I either recruited them, had a hand in recruiting them, coached them, spent a fall with them. Um, there's a pretty healthy chunk of those guys that I have some uh, experience with. Uh, and that made it easier for me to get kind of hit the ground running. I didn't have to explain to everybody who I was or what we were going to do, um, which is really cool. And it's not very common that you get to, to jump into something like that. And right away, just the, the intense work ethic and excitability to come and learn new stuff and try stuff out was super evident. 
uh, we've got a group that really likes to do it. They like to work. They like to get in the cage. They like to hit. Um, they like to talk about hitting. They like to, to discuss stuff. They like to, um, to, to go through that process with each other and, and, and me and Erdy and, um, I'm fired up about it. I mean, it's a fun group to be around every day. Um, there's real talent in the group. There's no question. Uh, I don't know. I think it's way too early to tell roles and, and who's going to be, you know, where, um, you know, we have some freshmen that are, they look like freshmen right now, but they're also really talented. Um, and coach Fontino, who's now at USC and who he and I worked together, obviously hand in hand before and, and, he did a great job. He and Dill and, and, and Chuck's did a great job, you know, in a really tough situation in the pandemic of bringing in, continuing to bring in really good players. And uh, so there's great hitters to work with for me. It's, it's awesome. Um, we've got a pretty balanced group. I think, I think there's some guys who, you know, are going to hit some homers um, guys that can run guys that can handle the bat, make a lot of contact and, uh, and, and do some things in that area. I think the biggest key that we have that will make us a good offense is we've got a lot of choices. There's really uh, a, a healthy number of players who you could absolutely see taking jumps and, and being everyday contributors. And then a bunch of guys off the bench here who, who probably would be starting on most teams that they would be on. So um, I'm really excited about the athleticism overall of, of what we're going to be able to do. And I, I really want us to be, I always want this is to be a balanced offense. And I think, I think there's a reputation um, both for me sometimes. And I think what we did before here in 2019 and, and, and anybody who maybe gets that label of progressive is, well, all you're doing is trying to hit homers and you don't care about anything else. And that's not, that's just not true. Like my theory has always been, well, if we hit it more, we make more contact. Won't we also hit more homers? Um, which are cool. Like everybody, you know, chicks did the long ball, right? I mean, let's hit some homers. Let's do some damage. Let's run the ball around the yard, but let's also hit it more too um, in order to do that. Let's just do it at a higher clip of better angles and, and better exit velocity and all the things that, you know, get lumped into that progressive label. Uh, but let's also be able to handle the bat. Let's, hit, let's also be able to beat the shift. Let's take our walks. Um, if, if, we, if we get handed those, let's be able to beat you however you want. I talk to the guys a lot um, about that concept of I want us to feel like we can walk into any ballpark in the country and say to the other team, you tell us how you want us to beat you today. And that's how we'll do it. You want to win a shootout. We got you. Let's go. Let's go back. Uh, you want to win a, a one run walk off squeeze game. We can do that too. Um, we'll beat you with hitting fastballs. We'll beat you hitting breaking balls. We want to be good at everything. We want to be able to handle whatever the other team throws at us. I think those are the teams that are able to have success in the postseason. It's not relying on one uh, style or another to to score runs, and um, not unlike you know an NFL offense would be. If if you've got a balanced attack, you can you can win a close game, you can win a shootout, you can win a run game, or, or you can air it out. So that's what we're going to go for, and I think we've got the pieces to do that. Yeah. So. Just to toss out some names for for the fans, guys that are coming back. Jordan Sprinkle, who spent the summer with, with Team USA in North Carolina. He was the first-team all-conference selection. Zach Rodriguez coming back. He had a whale of a freshman season. Jason Willow is coming back. Uh, he made some big strides late in the season. 
So you just think Willow, Sprinkle, Rodriguez, and then some guys that had big summers who didn't play a whole lot this year. Nick Vogt was one of the leaders for the Corvallis Knights who won the West Coast League championship. Leo Mosby, who had like led most of the statistical categories offensively in the West Coast League playing in Portland as well. So there's there's some new guys. There are some some returners who are familiar names who we talked about a lot on the podcast last year. Well, and this is an offense that last year in 2021 in 2019 as well were either leading or tops in the conference in home runs, batting average, runs scored, slugging percentage, OPS, walks, stolen bases, sacrifice flies, like getting it done top to bottom offensively. And then you squeeze 2020 in there, the 15 games, like they were on pace to do, to do similar things uh, in the shortened season in 2020. So this offense is not going anywhere, people. It's not going anywhere. And, and with Ferg back and with where Coach Fontino left us in a great situation, like, shoot, the sky's the limit. I, I really believe that. Like, when I think about last year at this time, it was, all right, the pitching's going to lead the show. Pitching is going to dominate. You got Boone coming back. You got McGreevy coming back. You got Troy, Dan, Roberts out of the pen. Like, that was the conversation last year around this time. It was, all right, pitching's going to dominate. And they did. They certainly did, but the offense really surprised uh, in 2021 because we had guys step up from from 19, like the Armani Smiths were gone, the the uh, the Eric Yangs were gone, like the guys that were more established, and we had some new guys step up in 2021. And shoot, there's a lot of good guys coming back, and seen some good physical look of players who are coming in to to fill in some roles, and it's going to be competitive and. The best part about the fall is is watching these guys compete against each other and be friends and teammates at the same time. I'm sure that's yeah. what you're pumped, most pumped about as well is just the competitiveness of it all. Every day is going to be a competition, and guys are going to push each other because they look around and go, I, I got to keep up with this guy. Um, and we've got some, as you mentioned, some guys back that had you know really good seasons and, and some guys that were on the cusp of it and the guys that have had success in the past or success in summer ball and and, and obviously the incoming guys have had a lot of success in high school. And um, it's a deep group that can really push each other because um, there's so much talent across the board. And, and again, it, you know, we, when we got here in 2019 um, or tw- the fall of 2018 and that 2019 season, you know, we had to reboot some stuff. We had to kind of change some things and, um, and instill some confidence in some, some guys and, you know, we had a magical run and that was a special group of players, Tommy Jew and Armani Smith and Yang and Rowan and Tevin and, and Amar and on and on and on. Um, that's, I don't, I'm just trying not to screw this group up because um, Matt and Dylan and Jex and, and Erdy have done such a great job in the last, uh, you know, one and whatever you want to call the 20 season. Um, and we've got good players who, who have had success and, you know, our job now is to take them, um, to places they haven't been, which is um, we're trying to go to Super Regional and go back to Omaha. And this group has the talent to do something like that. And, um, you know, what we're stressing to them is get better every day and um, and not be satisfied with, oh, I'm Zach Rodriguez. I had a great freshman year and 
I'll just do it again. Right. And that's not how it works in baseball. You got to keep pushing yourself. You got to keep getting better. Jordan Sprinkle's experience with Team USA is going to be invaluable for his growth. And he knows he he looked around all summer and goes, okay, uh, I, I can play at this level clearly, but I also have some things that I got to work on. I'm not as good at, at this as that guy over there. And this guy over here is going to be a first round pick. Well, I need to, I want to take this from his game. Uh, I, and I think a lot of our guys did that. And, and, and the freshmen now get to come in and go, okay, this is the standard. This is what I've got to play like to, to get on the field and compete or take this guy's job or replace this guy at some point. So um, that's a really cool place to be every day. It was just fun competitions where we're trying to hammer stuff and we're challenging guys and we're making it tough on them. And we talked from the first day, which is we're not going to, we're not going to talk a lot. We're just going to do a lot. Um, let's go out and, and challenge you. And it's going to be tough days. And there's going to be days where it's designed for you to look pretty crummy um, because we're not, we're not challenging you and making it really hard on you. Then you're not going to get that much better. And, and what are we, what are we doing here if we're not trying to get better every day? So there's a couple of things at work this fall that are different from last fall. And last fall was, was full of its own unique challenges and it was unique in its own right. But this fall, it and, and speaking towards the traditional versus non-traditional, last year, very non-traditional in, in the fall. You weren't here, but it was the splitting up into groups and you weren't interacting with, you know, you were only interacting with, you know, 15% of the team while you were at the field for the first four or five weeks of fall ball. But now this fall, now that we're back to the more traditional format where we have a full introduction day one and the team meeting and you go over all of the, all of the, the little minute details and walk around the field and everybody's there at the same time. And it's more of a traditional uh, path in the fall. And there's, there's another part and, and you brought it up because when you arrived, it was gauchos were coming off two losing seasons in a row. And the players that were here, they had the talent. They just, they hadn't experienced the, what it takes to win. And now that we've had three winning seasons in a row and a lot of success, how do you keep it going? So gauchos 99 and 33 in the last three seasons. So that's, that's a, uh, 804 winning percentage. No, I didn't do that off the top of my head. I have got right here, but it's a pretty strong winning percentage. So as a coach, there's, is it different trying to take a team that's, that has been struggling and turning them into winners versus a team that is used to winning and getting to the next level and not regressing? Is there something that's, that's unique to that? Or is it, or is it all just eyewash and it's all the same? Uh, I think it's largely the same. Now, there are day-to-day things when you are dealing with players who either have forgotten, you know, what their capabilities are or are questioning them a little bit more or need a little bit of, of TLC or whatever it might be, or just some redirection. Uh, there's certainly some day-to-day stuff that changes. But ultimately, the message is exactly the same, which is, well, do you want to be great or not? And if you're interested in being great, giddy up. Let's go, because we're going to put stuff in front of you that's going to allow that. And everything we do is built around that idea. Uh, It isn't as though you, you know, I think that, again, going back to perception and reality, I think the perception sometimes can be uh, if you are 
a positive coach or you are a player's coach or whatever those, you know, those sort of pejorative complimented words can be is that it's all pat them on the back and no, oh, it's okay, Johnny. And don't, yes, you are good. And that's not what we do. That's not what we did then. It was, it was showing them how good they can be by putting them in situations where they got challenged and then succeeded. And they realized it themselves. It wasn't me saying every day, Armani, you can do it, buddy. You're going to be okay. We didn't do any of that. We just went after it. We're like, of course we're going to succeed. There's no question about it because we're going to work our butts off and we're going to prepare better than everybody else. We're going to give you better technique. We're going to coach you harder. We're going to put more challenges. We're going to use all of our tools that are disposable better. All of those things, we're just going to do it. And, and I think that good players respond to that, which is you don't have to fake it for me. Just let's go do it. And in the, the process of it instills that confidence in them. Um, Russell Wilson says this a lot, right? He says, preparation is the separation, right? Ultimately, the most enduring form of confidence comes from knowing that you prepared your best, right? If you are prepared walking into whatever it is, whether it's a baseball game, a fight, a test, doesn't matter. If you've prepared and you know that and you have done the work and you have turned over every rock and you have done the reps and you've done, you're ready and you will be confident in that. And that's the power of it. And that's what we, we are, uh, you know, we're always striving to do. I couldn't have said it better myself. And I think that's a good place to leave this for now. This is, this is to be continued. Oh, okay. This is definitely to be continued because I mean, this is just week one and we got, we have a fall season. Was it eight weeks? Eight weeks? Yeah. Until uh, until Thanksgiving. We do have some fall games to look forward to. There are two of them. Yeah, we got. Uh, I think we have Pepperdine and, and and Cal Poly, right? And Cal Poly is going to be at Caesar. At Caesar. At Caesar, yeah. and I believe it is in some. It's early November. Early November. Yeah. So we will keep. Uh, and we will, I'm sure we will welcome people in to the stands. Don't quote me on that right now, but there's people at soccer. So I'm assuming that we will be able to welcome people in Absolutely. to, to Caesar Wissaga stadium for a fall game against Cal Poly. So we have those a couple games to prepare for uh, Pepperdine on the road um, for the fall. And yeah. then, uh, yeah, this, I'm, I'm excited for this season. I'm excited for every season. It's, this time of year just gets me so jazzed because it's 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 new. You got the new players coming in. There's the energy. There's the anticipation for the season. It's you put like last year was great. It was fantastic. It was a great year. It's rewarding in so many different ways. But last year was last year, and we move forward, and we're excited for for what's to come. And we've got this great thing that we built, and it's rolling down the hill, and uh, and we're along for the ride. So. Ferg, uh, any any last words? Anything to plug? I know you've got you got an Instagram page with like with hitting lessons and stuff, <laughs> or was that uh, only when you were with the twins? Uh, I I have some stuff on there. Yeah, just Donegal Fergus uh, is the Instagram handle. We've got some video stuff. We're gonna we're, we actually are gonna be pumping out some more content. We've uh, got some video content planned and, and some drill packages, and um, we're gonna try and, and and get some of that stuff out there. Um, I was chided today. Uh, by a by a friend, a, a coaching friend, who's 
you said that I've been slipping on on uh, on content. <laughs> um, you're getting busy. You're, you're turning old school. So um, we, we've got some stuff in the works. Uh, we want to put some cool stuff out there, and, and mostly just to spread the gospel of the Gauchos. Right? We want to get get stuff out there, and, and we're really proud of what we do here. And, um, and I think that any any player out there that's interested in truly trying to get to the big leagues and and, and reach their potential. You got to come look at us because um, we put our money where our mouth is, and and we're going to coach guys uh, hard, and we're going to we're going to give them the best cutting edge techniques and and strategies, and and uh, and so we want to put some of that stuff out there, and and, and you're going to be a part of helping create that as always, um, and and you know, I, there's some really cool stuff going on here. We want people to know about it. So appreciate you having me on uh, for part one. I can't wait for part two. Cutting edge. That's right. Cutting edge. And this this and this, this program also has a podcast with almost sixty episodes, so there's we got that going for us. Yeah, or not. <laughs> All right, Donago Fergus, uh, I'll see you at the ballpark, manana. Can't wait. Get to work. Thanks, Ferg. Goodbye. All right, thank you to our great sponsor, Kyle's Kitchen. And thank you to our guest, Donegal Fergus. That was, well, part one of probably many parts on this podcast, sitting down with Ferg for the fall and the upcoming season. Uh, just full of energy and full of vibes is <laughs> his Ferg. So uh, he's excited. We are excited. Uh, we do want to wish Matt Fontino best of luck down at USC. He accepted the assistant coach job during the summer. And also David Tillotson who accepted the volunteer position, volunteer coach down at USC. So a couple of gauchos going down to SC uh, to help the Trojans out in the Pac-12. We will see them this year for a couple of midweek games, so that'll be exciting. But uh, best of luck to those two. They did some great stuff for the gauchos over the last couple of years, leading them to all of those wins, the Big West Championship, of course, in 19, and the uh, the strong 99-33 and 33 record. Over the last three years, they have had a big hand in doing that. So best of luck to those two. All right. Not sure what's on tap for next week, but we plan on getting some player interviews, probably a day in the life, um, and introducing some of the other new staffers that will be here. So we got a lot coming up on the Gotcha 9 podcast, and uh, it's going to be fun keeping this going. This is episode 55. I want to thank everybody who has listened uh, and subscribed to this uh, over the last year and a half. So uh, it's been really fun and we'll keep it going. I'm your host, Kevin Cannon. Thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you next week on the Gosh and I pod. <laughs>